Hello all and welcome to Sweating the Small Stuff, a show where we sweat over the details that make our world richer. I'm your personal brain trainer, Cameron Boozard Jamari, and today I'm joined by your personal mind fiend, Keon Boozard Jamari. <laughs> it's a me. <laughs> God, you get so much lip on the mic when you do that. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. So, sweet brother of mine. It's a me. You, you are equal parts Netflix binger and computer boy. Oh, yeah. Don't get me started. And I think, well, I guess for anyone who's listening, I think you can put two and two together and get straight to the point. Black Mirror came out. Yeah, A new buddy. season of Black Mirror is out, and the second episode, Smithereen, is the one I wanted to have a little roundtable discussion where the table is just two people. So mm-hmm. it's a line. A line table discussion about <laughs> this is an amazing episode because it is quite like it literally could have taken place right now. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go into so much like little minutiae, little, all the little nuggets mm-hmm. of how I consider that to be like, I've always loved Black Mirror because. For those of you who don't know, I actually have a master's in privacy engineering, yeah. and if there was ever a show that made my job relevant, that was it. <laughs> yeah, so the second episode, which is called Smithereen, uh, is about a uh, about the guy that plays Moriarty. I don't remember the yeah. actor's name. Let me, let me paint you a word picture. Mm-hmm. Moriarty from the popular BBC Sherlock mm-hmm. tries to kidnap someone, and I... <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Spoilers. Oh. For everyone in the audience, we're going to spoil the crap out of this episode. So spoil, if you don't want to hear that. We're going to dunk on it. We're going to spoil it. We're going to tear it in half and sew it back together and then punch it sometimes. Yeah. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for the episode, hey, you can leave now. And everything we've talked about is within the first five minutes. So, you know. Also, if you're a Sherlock fan, though, if you watch this episode of Black Mirror, this is what? Season five, episode two. Yeah. If you watch it, you will never not be able to think that this is how Moriarty pulls off every one of his things. Because <laughs> yeah. it's not elegant. It's mm. not even remote. Like, my favorite part about it was how it was like a complete linear train wreck of everything went wrong and he keeps messing up. And it was like this equal commentary. So let me, let me just give you the broad strokes of the episode real fast. Sure. In the biggest possible way, this is the episode. From one side, it is... How to Google your way through a kidnapping. <laughs> From the other side, it's Facebook is better than the police at being the police. Mm-hmm. And seeing those two things collide in that episode was buck wild. Oh. oh my goodness. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And yeah, do you, you want to just, just dig into it, buddy? You yeah, got, yeah. You got so, some uh, starting points? Yeah, so the crux of the episode is just the fact that uh, the Moriarty's character, who, uh, man, I really wish I remembered his name, but uh, the main protagonist uh, slash antagonist, uh, he is an Uber driver, and he kidnaps a person that works for this company called Smithereen, who's actually an intern, to try to leverage that person and their life to get in contact with the person that owns or created or the founder of the company Smithereen. And so from there, we see, we peel back the layers of all of the stuff surrounding the fact that not only is this a commentary on the fact that this guy has a very deep emotional and personal connection to the platform and what it did to his life as well as his mental state, but then also it shows, it peels back the curtain about, well, what do we do when we have all this information? What happens when we need to aggregate that in a criminal investigation? And then we see through the lens of not only the police, but then also the lens of the higher-ups at Smithereen, what they can do to try to uncover the situation. Even when this character, uh, the main character, he hasn't been on Smithereen in months or maybe years, but 
they can still find all of this different information about him very quickly and easily. So, yeah, let's. I think we can tackle this in three parts. I think the first part, the bummer I wanted to get out of the way real fast, is they talk about this idea of dopamine targets mm-hmm. in the episode. It's, it's literally this idea that all these social media platforms, all of them are designed to follow this feedback loop where it's, if I recall, it's like action, trigger, response, reward. So it's like you take an action... Or no, it's trigger action. So there's a trigger. Yes. There's like mm-hmm. get a notification. Yes. So it makes you take an action. And then there's a response to that action. And then there's the reward. And that's the dopamine in your mind. So for those of you who don't know, dopamine is a neuro... Is it neurotransmitter? Uh, yes, I think so. It's basically a naturally occurring drug in your body mm-hmm. that is what pleasure is. All good vibes you have are literally your body spend, sending dopamine your way. Mm-hmm. And what happens is... These companies are constantly trying to build more and more engaging apps. And what the kind of like the sub commentary of the episode is trying to say is when you look at your phone while driving your car, Mm -hmm. you obviously should not be looking at your phone when you're driving your car. You're putting your life and other people's lives at risk because you are distracting yourself from being a safe driver. But at the same time, if these companies are actively chasing these dopamine targets, the goal of building this re- the reward feedback loop that says, I want to constantly have you looking at your app so I can get eyes and sell ads. Yeah. At what point is the blame shifted to the company? At what point can we safely and adequately say, you are not doing a service to your customers. You are hurting the people who want to enjoy your app by making them reliant and distracted from their lives yeah and the episode is so poignant because it shows that this character uh, he's become addicted and it's the most empathizable thing because even though in a lot of states uh it is illegal to look at your phone uh, while you are driving or text and drive there are a couple of caveats where you if you have music on your phone that's technically Mm -hmm. a middle ground gray area but it's completely empathizable to be on like looking at your phone even like for one split second just to check something while you're driving if you're in traffic or rush hour and this this movie immediately has that moment where it it st- stayed with me i i have to drive like 4 hours commute from my job back to my hometown to do a couple of things so on that drive it's mostly media and stuff that i'm like listening to audiobooks and other stuff like that and the entire time i'm pretty sure i had like 20 different like reminders of like man i don't oh this just hurts like to remember that the the like crux of the episode about how this guy lost a loved one because of that in the split second and it's something that everybody says and that is explained to people in 20 different ways and 20 different psas and commercials and stuff but in that episode it was just so poignant because we've been following this character for so Mm -hmm. long and it's so tense and you want to know what's going on and uh, for everybody that doesn't know about uh, the what a Skinner box is, that's the kind of uh, – it's it's so weird to even – it's uh, the example of a Skinner box is antiquated now because of those dopamine targets that uh, back in – I don't remember what decade, but a while ago, um, a, uh, a, psych- a psychological researcher named uh, B.F. Skinner, he had a – or P.F. Skinner. This is such your thing right now. <laughs> Wait, what? Like, this entire thing is just, like, the stuff that we loved in high school, oh, but, yeah. like, this is such so your good. thing. Yeah, so uh, so Skinner created what he called was a Skinner box, which is he took a bird, I'm pretty sure it was a pigeon, and put it in a box. And in that box, there was just a button, and there was a light that had, uh, that when you press the button, 
the light would come on and a piece of food would come out. And so the pigeon would become reliant on this button to get food. You know, just press the button, you get food, that's fine. And the pigeon will only go when they're hungry. Now, that is just a call and response for need. But then Skinner found a very interesting thing that would emerge of two things. One, an arbitrary time by which the, or an arbitrary number of button presses that the bird would, uh, would press would get food. So therefore, the bird would be more likely to experiment and see, okay, well, what can I do to get this food? And sometimes it would, like, go into a corner and, like, squat and then get up and press the button and see if that would help or other things like that. And it's turned into this entire rigmarole to try to get the food because it's like, I want the food. What do I need to do to get it? And when it's completely arbitrary, like a random occurrence, then it will start to create a pattern with uh, that, that it assumes works. And moreover, there are other situations where um, it's completely arbitrary. Like, it's not even a random number that you click on the button. It's actually a random number of time that you won't get food, like for the pigeon, until after 10 seconds. Then another one's, I don't know, 12 seconds. And then another one's five seconds. And it would just keep going. And it, it, the bird would, like, create all these patterns in its head that's just like, oh, well, it'll happen if I do this thing. This is even literally though, how social media works, though. Is like, exactly. you don't have any actual control over when people are going to look at or respond to things, but you've been trained into it. And this is what I mean by it's not even a good uh, a good example anymore. It's completely antiquated, the Skinner box, because people still use it as a buzzword, as a term to refer to this technology, but it's so... And that's why in the episode when they say dopamine targets, when the bird would press the button and get the food, little shot of dopamine. Oh, cool, I got this that's thing. Internal. That's internal. That's great. Like they, didn't, they didn't, like, inject the bird with dopamine. No, exactly. the bird's internal processes, the things, the biology mm -hmm. that makes up your brain was like... This is a good thing. We need to keep it happening. Yes. And so with that, that's that's the response that they want. That's the learned response that they want to get. When you create dopamine targets, that's you having a test group that is going through and using your app and feeling better because or feeling those little shots of dopamine, that internal drug that you're getting that will just come every once in a while. And instead of having it every once in a while... A, an app on your phone will start manufacturing it in your brain because of little beeps and boops and lights going on in your phone, which is <laughs> freaky. So, right, man, we and, gotta, and we got to get away from bummers, dude. We got to get. Well, no, it's just crazy city. because I, I actually watched the episode with a friend of mine and she was just laughing the whole time. She was just like, oh, this is just so weird that this is how society works. And I was just like beguiled, like on the verge of tears of just like, yeah, this is the world, though. Like, whoa. And she was just <laughs> having a grand old time. And I was just like, this is like, and you and I have a completely different perspective than most people because we know it, it always beguiles me anytime people are just like, yeah, I heard that like my phone is listening, listening to me. And like, you know, it can see me through the camera and other people are like, no, it doesn't make any sense. That's just whatever. I'm like, dude, you don't, I've, it I've literally is listening to <laughs> I, you. Especially when they're like, oh, my Alexa isn't listening. It's like, how do you think it knows when you say, okay, Alexa? Like, come on. Sorry for anyone that's listening on a speaker and I just triggered their Alexa. But that's what I mean, is that they're always listening. And whenever people are like, oh, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, it's literally not that much extra code for you to write that in there. It's really not. All so, right, man. I'm bring, I've got to bring us back. This is getting... But, into way too much rabbit hole. All right, of course. So, and like uh, that, but no, this is an excellent segue into the next point. Exactly. Part two. All these companies have so much data on you mm -hmm. and it's interlinked. Like it's one thing to say that they're trying to get dopamine targets on you. It's another thing to fully appreciate that like your, your interactions with Facebook don't end when you close the Facebook app. Yeah. Because any website that has like a little Facebook widget on it 
that that thing is actually reporting back to Facebook every time it's loaded saying, hey, this person that has a Facebook cookie because they use Facebook. And for anyone who doesn't know, a cookie is basically like, think of it like your club saver card. Whenever you have like your saver card for like a CVS and you go to CVS and you punch it in, it's actually not just there to give you coupons. It's also there to let CVS know this one customer is linked to all these transactions. Mm-hmm. Except this saver card doesn't just work on when you're at CVS. It's when you walked into a Publix or a Giant or wherever, all of a sudden that saver card gets suddenly scanned without you even realizing it. And now CVS knows, ah, this is when he goes to Giant. And this is what he buys at Giant. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so the, those... like the Facebook analog is what you mean. Yeah, and so yeah. this the saver card is a Facebook cookie that follows you around the internet so that Facebook gets a good idea of who you are. Oh, yeah. And that's the crazy part of the episode was how the, I believe the name of the company was um, Smithereen. Yeah, Smithereen. And, uh, oh, I looked up the guy's name and his name is Andrew Scott. Cool. Could you just, okay, well, let me give you a clean slate. Andrew Scott, can you just copy that over every time that I said Moriarty? Andrew Scott. No, I'm not going to do that. I like this okay. version more. Okay. But Moriarty, like the Smithereen <laughs> thing where they can bring up all the information on him, even though he hasn't been online in forever, is exactly because of that. It's because unless you clear, like even when you do clean your cookies, there are ways of, they're called super cookies. They're this hilarious idea yeah. that you have a piece, this card that like if you threw away your wallet, the card is somehow still attached to you. Mm-hmm. And it's just following you around the internet. So it's completely understandable when people think that they've cleaned their cookies and they're like, I'm fine. No, you're not. Because they're designed not to let you go. Yeah, and Cambridge Damalitica or whatever the thing gets all that information and then they send it out the world and they mess the whole thing up. And now Facebook can't hide behind their little super cookies anymore. Exactly. And that's the entire point of this is to say, like, the cops have what the cops have. Like, they're doing footwork. They're doing the research. But the wealth of data that we have willingly given up to these companies, mm-hmm. that that just completely outweighs anything that the cops are getting from us because the cops really have to fight to get any nugget of data. Mm-hmm. And it's it, even especially in the episode, it's just so crazy to see that like the cops go do the footwork. They're gumshoeing it around and like trying to find people that would know information on the guy. And they just so happen to stumble upon a neighbor that knows some of the situation and then we we just hear that Smithereen has had that information immediately readily available within five seconds. And mm-hmm. to show that, like, what if that neighbor wasn't there? The police wouldn't know that. But Smithereen is only looking into this now because it pertains to their CEO. And so, or f- founder and CEO, whatever. So that's the crazy thing is that, like, they have all this information and it could help or hinder investigations. We don't know. That's kind of a murky area. But... When they go, quote-unquote, God mode and need to find all this information, they can do it at a snap of their fingers. When the police are shown to, basically, in the entire episode, they're portrayed to be, and incompetent wouldn't be the word, but basically, like, uh, under-supported. And it's just incredible to see that uh, until Smithereen jumps in. And within, I think, the entire, like, situation that they're in is probably within an hour. Within an hour, 
they, one car gets derailed off the road and the tire gets shot. And then we have these people sitting in this tense situation in which Smithereen can find all this information, get in contact with people, especially their CEO, who's in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's incredible. Tech detox, which is the bougiest thing I've I ever love, heard in my life. <laughs> I love that. As soon as she said that, I laughed pretty hard because I'm just like, that's so real. Because, and especially like even his justification, he's like, I came out here to get away because I didn't, I hate what I've made. And I can only assume that a lot of those uh, tech technological moguls feel the same way where they're just like, I just wanted to change the world and I did, but uh oh, I am become death, destroyer of worlds. So, oh, so uh. like a big thing was, um, so the Zucks, Mr. Zuckerberg, <laughs> when they mentioned the Marky God Mark. mode and all that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, Marky Mark and the data bunch. <laughs> That's my bad joke of the day. Enjoy. That's very good. <laughs> so he like he actually got caught basically saying that for the longest time in Facebook Messenger, he had a form of God mode where he could see other people's messages. Wait, really? And actually delete his own and other people's messages. Oh, my God. Like he could actively choose to just do that because when you make messages on Facebook, they aren't like magically in the ether. They're sitting on a server as like just a little text file that he can just delete because he doesn't want to look at it for whatever reason or he wants to whatever. And so that feature basically existed for since the birth of Facebook. And at no point did he feel like sharing it with anyone until they were doing this feature update where they were starting to include the ability to delete messages in um, like the private chats. That's that's kind of ridiculous. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And that's that that was the big thing is like there were so many little details about how a social media company has way more power than we fully appreciate. Oh yeah. And yet we are willingly handing over our data and our time and our attention in this incredible way. And the thing that I really appreciated the most about the episode is to show that it's a company, that there are people in this giant hierarchy, and that even though they're like trying to reach the CEO, in my mind, when they kept saying, oh, we need to contact him and this and that, and like they're trying to get a hold of him, it made it seem like he's this, you know, guy on top of a high mountain. Well, he was. Well, yeah, literally. When we finally see him, he's literally on top of like... At least a modestly tall plateau. Yeah, and it's a really good, honestly, really good visual to show that, like, yeah, he is kind of like this Bodhisattva, like, guru character that's in the middle of nowhere, and he's built to be like this. And then as soon as he starts talking, he's the most human person in the entire episode. Like, he's exactly the John Everyman being like, well, I didn't mean for this to happen. Like, he barely even does anything that would show that he is on some higher level of uh, understanding, except for, I just love the one moment where, like, the corporate <laughs> the corporate structure comes in, they're like, oh, say this and that, and try to empathize with him, and then immediately it falls apart, and he's like, I forgot that I'm a human being and should be speaking to this other human being just like that, and not let this entire conglomerate that's around me dictate what I do. And that moment kind of humanized, because that's how I view Zuckerberg, is like this guy that's just so prim and proper, and everybody says that he's a robot, but... No, he's an alien. He's an alien <laughs> lizard man who has been trying to figure out how humans interact, because we've all seen him at the uh, at the congressional hearings, where he was like, yes, allow me to el- lubricate my internal organs. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, exactly. Well, it just like humanized that entire idea of any of those CEO people. And you hear a lot of them on like podcasts where they come visit and they're just like, yeah, this is how I got started and all that kind of stuff. But for Zuckerberg and other people that don't really have a public appearance, it it humanized to show that, yeah, some things can get away from you. Case in point, like when they said the dopamine targets or whatever that we've mentioned a couple of times, 
the half of them and half of the algorithms that are released now in big data companies are not created by human beings. They are the, pro the product of iterative algorithms that say, well, this is the answer we're looking for. Let's make an algorithm that if they get to that answer consistently, cool, they will move on and then we'll keep applying them to other problems and have them evolve. But we don't see in that black box of like what the calculations yeah. they're doing. We just know that, hey, they got this result. Cool, let's keep moving. This and is a fundamental problem with machine learning right now is that mm -hmm. people are trying really hard to make algorithms that show their work because it's not fair to the users and it's not fair to literally anyone to allow an algorithm to dictate how we interact with the world and allow, because the problem is like when a person's doing it, a person is accountable. When an mm -hmm. algorithm's doing it, there's no excuse to say we messed up. It's yeah. the algorithm made a decision and you just accepted it's gospel, which is unacceptable. I kind of wish they mentioned that in the episode and they might've that like a lot of people don't write code anymore. It's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. Code's so. writing code now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, oh man. Now, Oof. now, now, now. We have, we paid our dues. We paid our dues to explaining the dry, painful science behind, well, I don't even know if you can call it science, the dry, painful details behind what makes these annoying social companies tick. Now we get to the fun part. Googling your way <laughs> through a kidnapping. I, yes. Oh my God. I, I just love that at, at like any moment. I expected him to pull out a flip phone since he was so off the grid. Yeah. I just love, I'll just Google it. Like they said that a couple times. Yeah. Like he's like, he Googles how to kidnap people. He doesn't blatantly say it, but he basically is like, wait outside for them. And then mm -hmm. when they get in the car, take the distract while they're distracted, take them somewhere they weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. All right. That's messed up, but you put it into this. And then my favorite part was when he's talking to, um, Oh God, the negotiator. Yes. And oh. the negotiator's like trying to like, hey man, I'm not like these cops. I know what you're trying to do. You're gonna try and be my friend. You're gonna mm -hmm. try and do this. And he like like you could see in the nego like the actor who played the negotiator, you gotta give him props because you can yes. see in his face how he's like, Oh crap, he knows exactly what I was gonna try to do. Yeah, he's like, Oh dang, he read the same book I read, basically. <laughs> Which like legitimately I've listened to a couple audiobooks of that exact negoti like negotiating tactics. Mm -hmm. And it, it as soon as he started saying that, I'm like, Oh no. This is <laughs> oh, this isn't going this, yeah, he knows too much. Far and too much. Just like Googling like the guy forgot his phone in the other car, mm -hmm. and so he has no way to call HR. So he just Googles <laughs> the number for HR at Smithereen. Is like, this is a hostage situation. Hello. It's I. Oh my god, I love that so much. And especially like going back to um the, our psychology in high school. That um that's actually where uh an experiment breaks down. That if a person being experimented on or is part of a you know a subject of a study, if they know the kind of the layout, then they are a contaminated member and they probably can't participate. Case in point, if somebody looks at certain Rorschach uh, inkblot images, you can't like, and then you start to like think through them, maybe talk about them with a person, then you can't be tested with those. If you go mm -hmm. into a psychiatric evaluation, and I mean Rorschach inkblot tests aren't, you know, like super crazy accurate, but like if they show you that, you're you're tainted. You can't just be like, oh, well, it's this and this and this because you might have already thought about that and thought that like, well, this is what I saw. This is what I don't want to say that I saw. And that's the exact same thing is that the Internet has so much democratization of information that we can all kind of be on the same page when it comes to certain things. And you can't pull the wool over too many people's eyes anymore. All I can say to all of that was Topher Grace, you incredible, <laughs> handsome actor. Thank you for showing us what a world where you can Google your way I know Andrew. I know that it was actually Andrew uh, Scott who did the mm -hmm. kidnapping, but Topher Grace's like genuine response to Andrew 
trying yes. to like like he he also when andrew scott when moriarty is talking to topher grace the um billy bauer guy who runs yeah, it billy bauer, that, that's his name. like that was kind of the moment where the fact that you can google your way through a kidnapping finally broke down was like up until then it was this silly dance of they're going to try and do these things to andrew uh scott and the mm-hmm. entire time andrew scott is already knows what they're going to try and do because he's googled it all Mm-hmm. And the first genuine moment, the first moment where things are finally kind of off book is when Billy Bauer, like he's being advised, he's got like a little chat bot that's supposed yeah. to be telling him his way through negotiation. And like Andrew Scott's saying, like, I, I will blow a man's head off if you do not stop with this chat bot nonsense. Yeah. And that's when things finally get genuine. It's mm-hmm. a probably not a great moment for it to get genuine, but mm-hmm. respect. I, the thing I appreciate the most about the episode, the reason why it was just weird to watch it with a friend who's just like laughing their head off about the entire situation, is just how much like when you live on the internet, when you see all of these things, that's the cool thing about uh, Black Mirror is that they're appealing to the people that are kind of like in the sh- the stuff. I almost said a curse word, but I didn't. <laughs> You're welcome. When they're in all of this like kind of the minutia of the internet and technology like we are, then it is so appealing. When other people are like, oh, I can't believe people act like this. It's like, they kind of do. They really do. Like the first point of it. It's like, it's literally them saying like, this is, I can't believe I'm going to make this joke. They're holding up a mirror (sighs) to us, to us society. Well, you know why it's called Black Mirror, right? Because it's your phone. Uh, Yeah. What happens when you turn off a screen? You can't see your messages. No, but you can see yourself in the reflection. Yeah, that's always it's usually a black the saddest, screen. Camera that's no always the saddest Please, moment just... for me is when I see myself in my phone. And I'm like, oh, that's what I look like. <laughs> yeah, when you're like slumped down, and you can see like your eight chins because you're chin, like you're resting your head on your belly. Three beautiful five me bra. <laughs> yes. And by the way, yeah, I would love to do another episode where we talk about the first episode in the season because that is oh god, that so was so good. Because that oh, was like so a mix good. of that was a mix of technology and gender identity. Like that was such That's an incredibly incredible. progressive, amazing episode, and I, I celebrated that mm-hmm. episode. It was um, it was astonishing. All right, man. I think, I think we've given Black Mirror more than enough of a plug. Is there anything you want to mention? Oh uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, Love, Death, and Robots really quick. Let's just no, nope, we can't. The we do season. not have three years to that. We can do another <laughs> yeah. episode on it. But I actually did an episode on Zima Blue that should be coming out in the next week or two. Oh yes. yes. Well, I mean, uh, by the time this episode comes out, it might have already come out. But yeah, oh, no, I'm we'll psyched see. to see. I'm psyched to hear that. All right, how about um, you, buddy? What do you got? Yeah, uh, what I got going on, Print3D LLC and KeonBoozar.Cinema are my Instagrams. You can also find me at Why a Podcast, which is a podcast I do with a couple of my friends, and my own personal podcast, which is Life Advice with Keon, or Lock, L-A-W-K, and you can find those on all podcasting websites. No, mad shout out to uh, Lockcast and modest shout out to Why a Podcast. Yeah, if you listen to the Why a Podcast anniversary episode, my brother and I talk about how we started our podcast, where we're going with it. It's super nice, so just uh, enjoy that a little bit, and Cameron, what about you? What you got going on you can find swag the small stuff on all <laughs> social media at small stuff show i have been getting in the habit of posting every one of our episodes on reddit to our subreddit our small stuff show so if you have ideas that you want to share about that specific episode feel free to go check them out comment there leave us an email small stuff show at gmail.com you can get in touch with the uh form on our website small stuff dot show and mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're enjoying the content, I'm sure you have because you made it this far in the episode. <laughs> please do check out our Patreon if you feel like giving us a little change to keep the ball rolling. That would be appreciated. 
If you like this episode so far, we're going to have a companion episode that'll be on Life Advice with Keon that's talking about the emotional and, like, kind of life advice ramifications of the same Smithereens episode. So head on over there and listen to that episode if if you're so inclined. You want to hear more of our good, good voices talk about the same thing. This is a surprise to me. I didn't know we were doing this, but now apparently we're, I've been locked into it. So here we you, go. What are we, we just said we were going to record another episode, <laughs> like with me, on my stuff. I, I, give you this, I give you this gift, and you're just like, oh, I don't know if I want to reciprocate. Don't delete this. You include this <laughs> in the episode. Gonna, this is now in the episode. <laughs> anyway, I'm your personal brain trainer reminding you from movies to media. <laughs> okay. From movies to we media to about the, this thing. Oh my God. You're a bad person. <laughs> From movies to media to the world around us, it's details like these that make it worth sweating the small stuff. Well, apparently not sweating it on my podcast. Jesus. <laughs>